0: This episode of Anabaptist Perspectives is sponsored by Sattler College. I'm here with Clayton
1: Shank. We're in York, Pennsylvania, and you haven't always lived in the city. This is, you moved here, and you're now a school administrator in an inner city context. Can you just give us a little bit of background, what that was like when you you made that move to the city?
2: Well, what's interesting is that my first church experience was in the city of Lancaster. Mm -hmm. So my parents were missionaries to uh, Lancaster City, Laurel Street. And so my very first remembrances of church, summer Bible school, prayer meetings, was all city missions. At about the age of 10, 12, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. There was a dispute at church, and my parents were asked to leave, and so we went back out to the country. That was a very, very hard adjustment for me hmm. to have to go to a country church instead of a, a city church. <laughs> um, and, and it's hard for anybody, right? Any child, at least, mm-hmm. to have to adjust to what you're used to. Mm-hmm. So I've uh, I grew up in the country, uh, sort of the suburbs of Lancaster City. It's been in my bones, right? <laughs> it's been, in mm-hmm. what, and, and I think that's an important thing for parents to think about. Is what do they want their children to appreciate, and what you give them at a young age is mm-hmm. many times. Yeah, the Bible says, "Train a child away way should go, and he's only wanting to part from it." Mm-hmm. And so, there's a number of my siblings who are also in the cities uh, and in different cities mm-hmm. uh, and doing city missions, and so that's a, that's a critical part. So, for me, uh, we we visited for a while. We lived in Lancaster the first year and a half of our marriage, and traveled to York. But then I saw young people who really wanted to do what was right. But they had to pay to call their pastor. They had to, you know, get a, that was before cell phones and mm. you could just call people, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I actually got an 800 number so that they could call me over over in Lancaster <laughs> without them costing anything. But then I said, you know what, if, if I can't live in this city and be faithful to God, how can I expect them to live in this city and be faithful to mm-hmm. God? And so moving in was sort of an act of... A demonstration that you can Mm -hmm. be faithful living in the city and and in the midst of all the crime and all the whatever people think that the city is Mm -hmm. you can be faithful and I want to show that to the youth so that they could also do that so it was it was a missionary venture to move in
1: so with that move into the city what are some prejudices or misconceptions things that you had to overcome and then maybe impressions other people had of what the city is like
2: well, you know, prejudice is a very, very real thing. And whether we like it or not, whether we think it, we have it or not, almost everybody is prejudiced about something, right? I remember as a little boy, my dad was drilling, and he was, I don't know what drill he was using what job he was doing, but I just remember him saying, this is pretty good for a craftsman. Now, that prejudice against Sears products, <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught that. I was like, oh, okay, well, what is this, right? And so... The, the little comments we make along the way are the same mm-hmm. way. And so, I'll go to a church and I'll say, how many of you hope that you never have to live in the city? How, how many of you ever, you raise your hand, right? And, <laughs> and you lots of, Especially out in the country, you know, I don't want to live in a city. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you because in Revelation it says all of God's people are going to live in a holy city. We have these these conceptions of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the hay mouth helping my, my brother-in-law load hay. I was, you know, that back in the days when they had the little hays you know, instead of the big bales. And uh, one of the helpers there, he said, you know, everybody who lives in the city is lazy and crazy. I said, everybody? Yep, absolutely. Everybody who lives in the city is lazy and crazy. I said, really? I wanted to help him dig his hole a little deeper, you know. Yeah. He a couple questions. <laughs> and my nephew's like, psst, psst, he lives in the city. Oh, oh, almost everybody who lives <laughs> in the city is lazy and crazy. I think we have a perception like that. And most mm-hmm. of us grow up. Most of the people who don't live in a city have this concept that, that crime is, is really bad in the city. And, um, mm. and, and there's, there's a prejudice against uh, just the, the concept that you would even live in the city. Mm. Well, the Bible talks about over a thousand verses about cities. Yeah. You know, city or cities. And for most of humans' uh, existence since creation, you lived in a city for safety and you went out in the country to do your, your farming, right? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have a farm out there. It's, that's a concept of America. Mm-hmm. When you left Europe, people came over here and there was woods. And so you chopped down a tree, you built a house, you cleared some more trees, and you had a farm. And you had your own little individual farm. Well, that whole concept is only in the last 250 years. Mm-hmm. Because the European model, the, the African model, it's, it's a cluster of homes mm-hmm. and you put up a fence around that to protect you from the animals at night or from uh, the, the other enemies, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the whole concept for thousands of years mm-hmm. was you live in the city, it's safer in the city. Now we come and we say, no, no, it's safer out in the country. It's just total reversal of, mm-hmm. of what you have to do. Now I ask people when I teach at SMBI, for instance, the urban missions class. I'll say, uh, true or false, most people who live in the city are, are, are blacks or Hispanics. And people, yeah, true. No, that's false. Mm-hmm. Most people who live in the cities are white. And uh, there are some cities. You, know, mm-hmm. you, can, you can find Atlanta, Georgia, and St. Louis, and New mm-hmm. Orleans. You know, but for the m- most part, here in America, the, black, the whites are the majority of people who live in the city. I'll say, okay, so <clears throat> most people who are on welfare are, are blacks, true or false. Yeah, 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 that's right. Hmm. <laughs> so that's false. Most people on welfare are whites. Matter of fact, there's more farmers on welfare than there are whites on uh, city Whoa. people. Oh, interesting. Now that's a converse one, right? I'm going to tell you that. Uh-huh. Because what's farm subsidies? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll pay you to not plant any crops this year, mm-hmm. right? That's welfare. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'll, I'll give you, if you dump this much milk, I'll... I'll uh, I'll mm-hmm. pay you to plant this crop and that. Mm-hmm. So that's a form of welfare. It's a form of government subsidy. But we don't look at it that way. So then mm-hmm. when he asked about crime. How many believe that most people who commit crimes are living in the city? Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, death, for instance. Uh, about mm-hmm. 15,000 murders per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's awful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what about how many deaths happen in business because of violation of OSHA? Hmm. Is that also a murder? Well, that that is way more. There's more deaths per year uh, from business hmm. accidents than there are from actual gun shootings in the, in the city. And so then you look about theft, right? Hmm. The city's are awful. You know, people stealing stuff and It amounts to about five billion dollars a year. Wow. Well, when you think about embezzlement right that's about $20 billion a year. $20 billion wow. a year, that's the upper echelon. That's the, the mm-hmm. higher guys. That's the white-collar crime.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: most people don't report white-collar crime. There's lots of embezzlement that, for instance, mm. a bank. I don't know what bank you go to, but let's just mm-hmm. say you read in the bank that the vice president of finances embezzled $10 million from the bank. Mm-hmm. That That's a terrible light for your bank, right? Mm-hmm. That, that means my bank isn't safe. If if that guy could embezzle $10 million, I better get a different bank. So they won't report that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, universally, year after year after year, there's more embezzlement than there is Mm -hmm. actual theft. And so we have these prejudices that it's not Mm -hmm. safe there. It's safe where I'm at. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. uh, per Mm -hmm. capita, there's more crime actually in some of the other uh, smaller towns than there is actually in the big city per person. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Mm-hmm.
2: And so you just have to, to look and research and to recognize mm-hmm. and also to put your confidence in God.
1: There's a lot of Christian authors today or people of influence that are saying things like, you know, that the church needs to be much more intentional about moving into the cities. I'm curious, would you share that? And if so, like what kind of model would you suggest um, for our churches, mm-hmm. particularly the Anabaptists, to be involved in those?
0: This episode is sponsored by Sattler College. The modern higher education system is broken. Modern education is hostile to faith, too expensive and academically weak. We need nothing short of a revolution. Sattler College was founded upon the biblical vision of Christian discipleship that addresses the mind, soul, and heart. Our mission is to provide an education that instructs the mind, discipleship that shapes the soul, an inspiration that inflames the heart. Our goal is to enable graduates to heartily say, for God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's a lot of Christian authors today
1: or people of influence that are saying things like, you know, that the church needs to be much more intentional about moving into the cities. I'm curious, would you share that? And if so, like what kind of model would you suggest um, for our churches, Mm. particularly the Anabaptists, to be involved in those ways?
2: First of all, I want to confess that I have been so city, 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 go, 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 Mm -hmm. a cheerleader for city missions that I have sometimes wounded other people who are not involved. And Mm. and there's people who have felt that I come across like you're not quite as spiritual if you're not in the city. (laughs) I mean, The spiritual ones are in Mm -hmm. the city, and I don't want to do that. The reason I would encourage city missions is that's where the people are. And so, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: if you have, um, let's say, I don't know what the statistic is, we'll just make something Mm -hmm. up, right? Mm -hmm. One in a thousand people is going to come to Christ. Well, if you're in a town of 6,000 people, you have six people that are going to come Mm -hmm. to Christ. If you're in a a city with 200,000 people, that means you're going to have 200 people come to Christ, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, if you want to build church, you know, you get where people are and get where the needs Mm -hmm. are, uh, you can be more effective. And so... Mm-hmm. I would really encourage us to think about that. Now, another, another way of looking at that is, in, uh, <clears throat> in the founding of this country, uh, all up and down the East Coast, there was the, what, what do you call it, the high church? The, mm-hmm. the, the people who had to be educated to be pastors. Well, the Methodists and the Baptists, mm-hmm. they had the circuit riding preachers, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, we're, we're heading west. The, the high church didn't have enough educated pastors to go along out west. Mm-hmm. But the, the uh, Southern Baptists, which was a very, very small group at that time, and the United Methodists, very, very small group, they went out west with the, and, mm. and so one pastor might uh, go circuit uh, for 12, 15, 20 churches, 20 different uh, wow. communities. They're the ones who are the biggest today. They're the ones who adapted mm-hmm. to, to a way of life. And so we could also, if we say, you know what, most of the people in America are living mm-hmm. in cities. And the migration to the cities is great. Most people are living where these cities are. Most people are living close mm-hmm. by or in the in the petals of the city, mm-hmm. and so the the whatever denomination is adaptable to that will be the large denomination 100 years from now. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we say that mm-hmm. that's not our goal to be the largest denomination, but is it? Mm-hmm. It, our goal is to, to reach Christ and you know, mm-hmm. to, to preach Christ and to go out and to mm-hmm. and so when you have people who are hungry and thirsting and, and needing help and, and open to dialogue, well, if they're in the cities, that's where they are. That's where we ought to be. Mm-hmm. And most times, though, if you look at the church across America, you know, they're happy to be outside and to, to go in and maybe hand out tracts and go back out, or go in and sing and go back out, or you know we'll 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 have this sort of a, a targeted drop-in. Uh, what, what did that one preacher call it? The hurricane evangelism. You, know, you blow in, you blow up, and you blow out. <laughs> so uh, that's not going to do long-term missions. And so somebody yeah. living in a city, somebody who's raising, raising their children in the city, who are, is working in a city, working alongside of it, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of good contacts when I drove bus. Uh, mm-hmm. I was driving the mass transit bus, and so you have people who don't have vehicles. Uh, I, I met uh, a number of people that way. Mm-hmm. It's a very good ministry, very good opportunity. to be.
1: It's basically being strategic. Go where mm-hmm. the needs are, where the people are. Right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's that's really good.
2: Well, one of the things that um, I think everybody ought to understand,
1: and I sort of alluded
2: to it before, mm-hmm. we need to be faithful no matter where we're at. Mm-hmm. And and so if you say, I can't, I can't live in a city. No, no, there's no way I can live in a city. Mm-hmm. Well, would you consider maybe a, a suburb where you have your own grass and your own yard and still have, <laughs> you know, but you're, you're within striking distance of the city. You're, mm-hmm. You uh, maybe want to work in the city. Uh, I am amazed at how many times we are judgmental. You, know, you said prejudice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the, it shows up by staring, by, by looking. I, I would go out to um, the country, and I'd take some, some children from the city, we'd go out to a church service. And they come back and they say, over and over again, I heard this Mennonites have eye problems. Mennonites have eye problems. So, what do you mean? They just stare at you. They just stare at you. And, Interesting. And, you know, where, where's the friendliness? You know, yeah, the friendliest wow. church I was ever at was the Mormon church. Everybody in that auditorium came to say hi to me. I mean, it's just, they, okay, so here's somebody we can get, right? Here's, yeah. here's somebody we can win. And they made a point to make us feel welcome. Oh, please come again. Thank you. Is there any mm-hmm. questions we can answer for you? When you go to a a new Mennonite church. Even those of us who are Mennonites, mm-hmm. people just stare at you. The unfriendliest Mennonite church I <laughs> they ever at. I went in, I took a whole van load of children, we went to the service, and not one person said hi to us. Now wow. they all talked about us, you could tell that, right? They mm-hmm. were looking at us and, and whispering, and not one person came over mm. to say hi. The point is, most Mennonite churches are not friendly churches. Hmm. Most Mennonite churches are not welcoming churches. Mm-hmm. And, and so a stranger walks in. I mean, we have that here. We, we have to constantly work at, at our church, who's in the city, to win mm-hmm. people and encourage people to say, get out of that click. You know, service is over, stand up, and immediately you have people just talking to whoever's around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the people, because we all sit in our own places, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's, there's new people, there's visitors who are completely ignored. Mm -hmm. And and so it's something you have to work at my parents taught us we ought to be winsome We ought to be a winsome person Mm -hmm. now Jesus was winsome, Mm -hmm. but he asked a lot of questions Do we have enough time to ask questions or do Mm -hmm. we already assume? Well assuming is prejudice, right? Mm -hmm. I assume I know what you mean. I assume by -hmm. what you're saying and so uh, It's fascinating when you start asking questions and begin to learn hard. Mm -hmm. You know one of the things another thing about prejudice is we we come in and assume that we have a better way of life yeah, and and we can teach you something. We have a young man living with us. It's very easy for us to look at the ghetto and and the lifestyle he grew up with and say, there's really nothing for for me to learn from him. He said, we would never let our children run around in church, like growing up that our culture, our community would keep the children quiet. Mm-hmm. What do we do after church? We just assume that our children are gonna be safe because mm-hmm. they're, they're among us, right? Mm-hmm. And so they go out to the fellowship hall and they run and tear and jump and mm-hmm. <laughs> carry on. And I realize some families do better than others, right? <laughs> but there are things we can learn from their culture. There mm-hmm. are things from this culture that we're living in that can actually help us. And mm-hmm. and we can uh, humble ourselves and say, you know what? Uh, while there's lots and lots about the culture I don't a- uh, agree mm-hmm. with or appreciate it, uh, wait, am I so proud to think I got it all together? And so we got to really look yeah. at
1: that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Another thing, mm-hmm.
2: when I, I remember from, uh, mentioned that I grew up in Lancaster City. I mean, I, I, I ministered in Lancaster City. My, my parents went in, we didn't live there. But one day I was, little six-year-old maybe, and I was teasing one of the neighbor boys and and making some sort of comment, and my mom called me into the church and said, people that you make fun of you will never win for Jesus, Hmm. and people you laugh about will never win for Jesus. So what are our jokes? Who do we tell jokes about?
0: Mm-hmm. we've got to think about
2: that because there's a lot I mean, it's so yeah. much fun to have jokes it's so much fun to be the center <laughs> of the party and tell yeah. jokes but if we're if we're putting people down or we're putting genders down or races down or you know we already now have a superior attitude towards those mm-hmm. and we're not going to win them for jesus yeah if we're going to tell jokes about them and so mm-hmm. that's another another area we have to think about
1: it's about being in, about intentionally thinking and taking the time to analyze your worldview. where is this mm-hmm. coming from is we have, it's very easy, and I'm sure every human on the planet struggles with this, but this superiority mindset, I'm, of course, I'm better than fill in the blank. Whoever, this person, that person, this other religion, this whatever, but you know, we're all created in the image of God. Wow, well, thank you, Clayton, for being on this episode, for tackling something big like prejudice and living in a city, and wow, all the complex dynamics you have to deal with. Praise the Lord Yeah, yeah, and hopefully this will inspire some people to take a a hard look at at what what they think of others
0: For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives to read our blog, to donate and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast visit anabaptistperspectives.org We'd love to hear from our audience so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page Thank you for listening And we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives.
1: Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check.